Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. Father, I can't think of another verse, maybe one or two, that, that sort of puts the finger on us and, and, and says, today, choose, make a choice. This and perhaps Jeremiah 6, 16 and, and a couple of others, but Lord, this verse has been used so many times in my life where, Lord, you have laid out before me that every choice that I make, every, everything I, I decide on is important to ask this question. Is this, is this choice a choice of life or is it a choice of death? Is it, is it a choice that's going to bring a curse or a choice that's going to bring a blessing? And you tell us this morning in this word, in this passage, you declare it. You said, here's the right answer. Here's the way to go. You, you want to choose life. And so, Lord, I pray this morning that more and more in our lives that the choices we make would be choices of life and not of death. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Lori and I were ha having a conversation uh, yesterday at breakfast. And I asked her a question, knowing what I was going to preach on. I've, I've known all week, really, and that's, that's kind of rare for me. But I've known all week what I was going to preach on. And uh, so I asked her this question based on the knowledge of what I was going to be sharing this morning. And I asked her, what's the worst decision we've ever made since we've been married? And I paused for a moment. I let her think about that. And I said, let me put it another way. What's a decision you wish we could undo? So what's the worst decision you've ever made and, and maybe some of you aren't married, but what's the worst decision you've ever made? Wish, wish you could undo. So together we came up with several bad choices that we made. We talked about a move or two that we made that we wondered, should we have, we have, should we have done those? And, and financial decisions that we regret. And uh, actually being persuaded by geneticists to, ha to not have more children. We wish we had not listened to that. We were young been been persuaded by this person um, and uh, <clears throat> most of these decisions that we made were irreversible and we've had to live with the consequences of those decisions there are times in our life when we make a decision and almost know immediately when we make the decision uh-oh that was the wrong decision and sometimes those instantaneous decisions can't be undone it You've heard of buyer's remorse. I'm calling this decision remorse. We make a decision, and, I, and I've, actually, I've actually heard that there are a growing number of people who regret the choice they've already made for the next president because they've already voted. But that's called decision regret or remorse. Listen, we've all been guilty of making boneheaded decisions. But we, but we come by it naturally because... We get it from our, from our old man. The Bible talks about the old man, that, we're, that our old man is dead. And when I say the old man, I'm talking about Adam. We come by that naturally. The, the fruit, as they say, 
doesn't fall far from the tree. And so from the very beginning, when God created Adam and Eve, God gave man freedom, freedom to choose. He planted a tree in the garden that was off limits. And and as soon as God said, do not eat from this tree, that created the possibility of a choice. When God said, don't do this, that created the possibility for man to disobey God, to make a choice that would be different than what God wanted. In other words, to make a wrong decision. And the choice was simple for Adam. Obey God or go your own way. So it's either, it's either God or it's, or it's me. And from that point on, we've, we've all struggled with this, this kind of wrestling with decisions, don't we? With, with especially the thou shalt nots, right? That Paul talked about this a lot in, in Romans chapter 7, if you want to look at Paul's struggle with this. Paul said, I find that the things that I don't want to do, I do, and the things that I want to do, I don't do. And we can all say, been there, done that. But as soon as there's a thou shalt not, like, you ever seen keep off the grass signs and, and you kind of want to just go over there and step on it? Or, or do not touch wet paint. I'm guilty of this. I just have to touch it to see if it's still wet. And there's something about do not do this, thou shalt not, that makes us want to shall do it. I told this story before, but it illustrates my point very well. One time my dad had a bunch of kids over at his house. I'm not sure why. I don't know what the occasion was. But he told them to go out and play in the backyard. And so he opened the door for them to go play out in the backyard, and they were filing through. And as they were headed outside, my dad just randomly said, whatever you do, don't spit in my flower garden. And he peeked out the window and watched some boy go by and go like that. And you know that that boy would have never thought to do that had my dad said, don't do it. But that put it in his mind and he thought, I'm going to do what I want to do. So what is it about the thou shalt nots that stirs up stuff in us that makes us want to make wrong decisions? God makes this blanket statement about the heart of man in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. He says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. Every one of us. Every one of us are guilty of this. We've got that same tendency that Adam had. We want to be our own boss. We want to make our own decisions. And we want to make decisions that we think will benefit us the most. Because Adam thought, and he had been told by the serpent, Adam thought that his decision was going to make him be as God. You know, I know God said don't eat of that, you know, there's consequences, but, he, but there was that thing that was put in his mind, in his, in his ear. No, you'll, you'll be as God. God knows that if you eat this, you're going to be as God's. He doesn't want you to be as God. So. And so that, that's, you know, man made this decision because he thought that he was going to be made as God with total autonomy. He thought that that would be the end result. Well, there was an end result. The problem is God had already told Adam what the end result would be. He said, if you eat of this fruit, he said, you will surely die. In other words, death is the consequence of making the choice to go your own way to be autonomous. Listen, 
All choices have consequences. We know this. It's why we, would, it's why we could all name choices. It's why I asked Lori that question. Why every one of us could name choices we've made in the past that we wish we could undo. Why do we wish we could undo them? Because that had dire consequences, problems. It had consequences we didn't like. And so we can name those things because we wish we could undo them because it had consequences. Many choices also don't just affect us, but they affect other people. They, they affect our family. They affect the people we love. Adam's choice, for instance, seemed like it was a small thing. So he ate a piece of fruit, forbidden fruits. What's the big deal with that? Well, here's the consequence of that. Billions upon billions of people have died because of that, that choice to go against God's way. You and I will one day die because of Adam's choice. Because the Bible clearly says death came because of one man, Adam. Death was not on the earth or in the earth and in God's plan until Adam sinned and death came upon all men, says God through Paul in Romans 5 and 7 and 1 Corinthians 15. So so this choice and our choices often have long-lasting and far-reaching consequences. But the right choice can also have consequences, good choices that, make, that bring good consequences. For instance, if God told Adam that if he ate of the forbidden tree, it would result in death, what do you suppose would have happened had Adam made the right decision and not eaten of that tree? Do you suppose that the opposite would happen, that he would have life and blessing forevermore, and that blessing would come upon thousands of generations, including you and me? And we wouldn't have to be worried about turning 65 and, and getting old and dying one day. So from the beginning, we see that if we choose God in His way, it brings blessing. And if we choose our own way, it results in death. I didn't put this uh, verse on the screen for you, but uh, I wrote it down in my notes. Proverbs chapter 14, 12 said, says, There is a way which seems right to a man but the ends thereof are the ways of death. The ways that seem right to us, that that seem right but are not what God wants, those ways, those choices, a way is a path that we choose. There is a way, a path that seems right to a man, but the ends thereof are the ways of death. Proverbs 14, 12. And I'm not just talking about physical death. In the Bible, there are, there are layers of death. There's a spiritual death. There's a death of soul. There's a death of emotion. There's, there's separation in the Bible is considered death. Remember what the prodigal son's father said about him? My son was dead and now he's alive again. He wasn't dead physically, but he was separated. Separation in the Bible is, is a layer of death. Uh, there, darkness, depression. Sadness, loneliness, all these kinds of things are layers of death. And so a lot of choices that we make take us down those paths of death. Whereas, again, choosing God's path is a place of rest for your soul. You, many of you know that this is a favorite verse of mine in Jeremiah chapter 6, 16. One of the few times I use the NIV to quote from, but it's a good, it's a good translation here. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. 
It's a choice. It's a place of choice. It's a place where you're standing there and you're looking at the crossroads. Which way do I go? And he says, ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. I didn't finish that verse. The verse goes on to say, but they refused to go. They, they, did, not, they did not go in the right way. But that's the promise of God. That if we stand at the crossroads and we ask for the ancient paths, if we, if, we, if we ask where the good way is and we walk in that path, if we choose that path, you will find rest for your souls. I remember a sermon I preached over 20 years ago where I quoted a song from the old country western singer George Jones. It was a good line, good line in, in this song that he wrote. And it's, it's kind of the recurring theme throughout the song. He says, I'm living and dying with the choices I've made. I'm living and dying. Some choices bring life. And I'm living with those choices, but I'm dying with other choices that I've made. I'm living and dying with the choices I've made. So how do we choose the right way? I've been thinking about this message all week, as I said a few nights ago in the wee hours of the morning. A lot of times this happens to me because... When I kind of know a direction from the Lord, I, I, I often think about it as I'm falling asleep. I pray about it. If I wake up in the night, which I often do, I, I, will, I will bring those things to my mind. And so some of this was kind of just hovering in my mind as I was in that sleep-awake state, you know, that we have sometimes through the night where you're half, half awake. And a few nights ago, <clears throat> I, in the wee hours of the morning, I was in a semi-awake status um, I was awakening from a dream and I pictured in my mind some random person standing before me. And this person standing in front of me said, declared to me, I have a right to choose. And, and, I, and I remember very clearly, he said, I have a right to choose. And I said, sure you do. Tell that to God. That's what I said to him. And then I fell asleep. And I woke up a little while later and the same guy was standing there in front of me, same scene unfolding. And the person said, I have a right to choose. And I, and I responded this way this time. And I, and I remember this because I, I got up the next morning and wrote all this down. So I responded and I said, stand before God and say, I have a right to choose and see what he says to you. And then God let me see that scene. The person stood before God and declared, I have a right to choose. And here's what God said in my dream, in my sleep-awake state, whatever. God said, yes, I gave you the freedom to choose, but I also told you the right choice. I gave you the freedom to choose. Yes, you do have that freedom. But I also told you which choice is right. Okay? Most of the time when something comes up, I immediately know the choice I would make. And a lot of times it's based on, and we do, we all do this, we base, we base a lot of our choices on, on the mo our mood at the moment or on our mindset at that time or based on some kind of temporary emotional state we're in, either angry or frustrated, and we'll make a decision based on some kind of emotional uh, just what's going on, churning in our hearts, or, or even based on our lust or our desires, we'll make those choices. And those choices come easy, and sometimes they come instantaneously. 
But God's way, God's way, now look at this verse again, God's way often comes, takes listening and waiting and meditating and resisting any natural temptation to make a snap decision. Standing in that crossroad and asking God to show you the good way. God, what's the right choice? And sometimes it'll go against everything in you to make that right choice. I remember one time, Lori and I, and this just popped into my mind. We used to live in the parsonage over here. And I remember a, an argument we had, and I was standing several feet away from her, which was probably a good thing in, at that moment because we were not getting along at that moment. There was anger and, and so forth. And yes, pastors and their wives do go through that. It's been a long, long time. We've, we've, uh, we're in a good place in that regard. But I can remember I was praying because I, I, everything in, in me wanted to lash out verbally. Everything in me. That's the natural thing. That's the Adamic thing, the Adam thing in us. And, and God, the Holy Spirit said, this is what you should do. And I said, shut up. <laughs> I don't want to do that. But sometimes it takes a will to say, I'm going to go God's way even if it, if, if it uh, destroys all pride in me, which is a good thing. You know, men have egos, though, and we don't like that. We don't like, you know. So sometimes those kind of decisions just take a willfulness, a resolve to, to resist the natural temptation in us to make this decision out of emotion or anger. God doesn't leave us in the dark. He speaks to us in His Word and through His Spirit. He tells us this is the way. If we will listen, here's a great verse on this from Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. That's a great promise. If you'll, if you'll listen, if you'll wait, you won't go off instantly and make that decision. If you'll wait, you'll hear a voice behind you. Proverbs talks about this as well, and he talks about it in regard to a father's instruction to his son. And a wise son, if he will listen to the instruction of his father. I used to tell Jeremiah this when he was young. We used to teach our kids at home. We lived in Wyoming when he was very young. And I, I taught them, I taught my kids out of the book of Proverbs. I, I taught the Bible, and Lori taught everything else pretty much. <laughs> but I taught the Bible, and so I, I just decided to teach out of Proverbs because so much of the Proverbs starts out, well, so much of the Proverbs is fathers speaking to sons. And, and so I, I thought, great place, great way, to, uh, place to start and to teach our children the Bible. And one of the promises in the Bible was that if, if a son would listen to his father, it will, he said those words, well, here's the verse, I'll put it up here for you. When you walk, when you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. And I remember one time Jeremiah admitted to me that next, his next door neighbor, our next door neighbors had a, a son that was, I don't know, around Jeremiah's age. But they had scaffolding. There were some men doing some work on their chimney, and there was scaffolding there. And, 
And uh, this boy was climbing the scaffolding and he was, you know, taunting Jeremiah, tempting him to come climb the scaffolding. Jeremiah said, I put, my, he told us this later, he said, I put my hand on the scaffolding and said, I was about to, and he said, you're right, daddy. He said, I could hear you saying, Jeremiah, don't do that. <laughs> so, so he said, I didn't, I didn't do it. So those words spoke to him, but the father's words, the father's words, if we will hide those words in our heart, when we walk, they will lead us. And when we lie down, they will watch over us. And when we awake, they will talk with us. God's Word will give us instruction as to what we're supposed to do. Our Father that speaks to us. God's Word should inform every decision you make. I was part of a jury about 10 days ago. It was all done through Zoom. It lasted from 8.30 in the morning till 5 in the afternoon. We saw depositions and testimonies and the plaintiff's lawyers presented its case and the defense presented their case. And when it came time for the jury to deliberate, we, we were divided in, in, into two parts. And we, uh, there was about eight in my jury pool and we talked uh, with each other. And I told them immediately, I said, I want you to know that my decision will be influenced by Scripture. I told them right up front, my decision is going to be influenced by Scripture. And I quoted a verse to them from the book of Proverbs. And ultimately, we came to what I consider a righteous decision because some of them were swayed by that. And, and I'm glad because, because uh, you know, we are, our, our decisions should be informed by the truth of God's Word. If we claim to be Christians and declare that He is Lord over our lives, then we are compelled to not go our own way. You hear me? But to submit ourselves to His way. Remember Jesus' complaint, and I've shared this. It's my compl I complain about it with Him. <laughs> when He says in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, He said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? It's incongruent to say, Oh, you are Lord of my life, but I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to do my own thing. What does the Lord mean then? Lord implies you're a servant, by the way. If He's your Lord, that implies that you're a servant. Many years ago, my dad was asked to make a life, uh, was, was about to make, rather, was about to make a life-changing decision for my mom and himself. And he'd been wrestling with it for a few weeks. And finally, a good friend of his couldn't stand it any longer and point blank asked my dad. He said, well, have you made your decision yet? And my dad said this. He says, yes, I made my decision 35 years ago. Now it's just a matter of finding out what he wants me to do. What was he saying by that? What did he mean by that? This is what he was saying. I made the decision 35 years ago to make Jesus Lord of my life and that hasn't changed. So it's not my decision, it's His decision. I made Him Lord when I first said, I want you to be Lord in my life. And that, that's the only decision I've made. Now it's just finding out what He wants me to do today. Because that's not going to change. He's Lord of my life. I remember Lori mentioned this to me the other day, and I still have this in my office. But my dad sent Lori and me a, a letter. 
uh, that was a rebuke, very kind, fatherly rebuke. We were in our 20s. We, yeah, so, yeah, she was 20, I was 22, so very, very early in our marriage. And he sent, sent us a letter. And uh, we were making a bonehead decision. And he heard it, he knew about it, and he, uh, and he wrote us a nice letter that was scathing and yet nice at the same time, you know. But I'll never forget the very, the, the, his letterhead. And, and, and I, I just put this together just now, even though I pull that letter out every once in a while, read my dad's words to me. But the letterhead was simply Jesus is Lord. And he used that on all his correspondence. You know, back in the day, we didn't have the cell phones and texting and all, email and all that. So we got letters. We actually got letters. And I love that because that's something I can hand down to my, my children and children's children. But it said Jesus is Lord because that was who my dad was. Jesus is Lord and that doesn't change. Remember this from many years ago. I think Andrew Shearman was the first one who read this to us. It says, go ahead, I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. We've already cast the die. We've already stepped over the line. The decision has been made that Jesus is Lord of our life. And today, every decision and each decision is a choice to either follow God or follow self. Remember Joshua's proclamation to the people when he said in Joshua 24, 15, choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You can choose whichever way you want to go. I've made my choice, Joshua says. And Elijah says something very similar in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21. Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow Him. But if Baal, follow Him. This, this Hebrew word waver can be translated, some of the other, other translations say uh, hesitate, limp. The actual Hebrew word is, is limping as though you're on crutches. And one translation says, how long will you stay paral- uh, How long will you be, your decision be, how, will, how long will you be paralyzed in your decision making? You know, why are you even wavering is his point. He's talking to God's people. He said, why, why are you even hesitating? Why are you limping? Is there really a choice? Haven't you already said yes to God? Haven't you already made Him Lord of your life? Why, why are you hesitating at that crossroad? You know which way to go. God's Word tells you which way to go. The Holy Spirit is telling you which way to go, if you'll listen. So there is no, there is no choice if you're a committed believer. Following Him doesn't mean just going to church every once in a while and singing a few worship songs. It means following Him in everyday life. It means making choices on a daily basis. If you're a Christian, you are His servant. 
and he is your Lord.'" 